Welcome to Wavelengths, a podcast with Amphenol Broadband Solutions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of ABS's show. We appreciate you listening along to some broader industry thought leadership. Today's episode is going to deviate slightly from some of our previous topics and trends we explore on the show. But before I reveal today's big hitting questions and strategies for our professional audience, audience. I want to make sure you get all of the ABS content you desire. So head to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. Again, A-M-P-H-E-N-O-L broadband.com for more information on our solutions and services, if you're curious, as well as for more thought leadership from the team. You can also subscribe to Wavelengths on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations, plus notifications when we drop new ones. So like I said, on today's episode of the podcast, we're doing things a little differently than normal. Whereas we normally discuss things like major technology trends, new applications in the broadcast industry, or just general industry evolutions on the show. Today, we're going to be stepping back and talking some big picture business strategies that are applicable to basically any professional who's listening in our audience today. And that would be how to craft a quality company culture. It's a loaded topic. There's a lot to unpack there. And it's definitely an easier said than done task, especially in the workplace environment that we're in now, with some industries signaling they may never return to an office and others dealing with dissatisfied workers or just a lack of labor altogether. So how should companies go about defining and actually implementing company culture in sustainable ways? And how do you do that in ways that reflect the people within your company, as well as your company's mission and unifying those two? How do you live this culture day in and day out? And where do you start if your goal is to revitalize your company's cultural impact? Well, here to give us some perspective, I'm pleased to welcome Kirsty Cherkoyan. She's CEO of 2020 Insights. Kirsty, great to have you on chatting company culture. How are you doing today? Great, Daniel. Thanks so much for inviting me to be here. Absolutely. It's really a pleasure getting to source your insights today. I wanted to start by just clarifying what 2020 Insights does as a company and how it fits into the discussion today. Uh, so go ahead and give us that quick rundown as well as intersect a little bit about your specific background too. Sure. Happy to do that. 2020 Insights is a services and product company. We really focus on helping organizations be great places for everyone to go to work at every day. So whether it's focusing on culture or how people are connected to the strategy on the bottom line of the company, we bring all of those pieces together so that your business data, your people data, and your culture data are all used to help you make better decisions on your day-to-day -day work. My background, startups. Grew up in the Bay Area and spent lots of time inside of startups and then went on to be a coach and help companies scale and grow. And what I found was that there was this huge disconnect between the work that the leadership team thought was important, the strategic plan, and what employees were doing every day. So 2020 Insights was really born out of that need to bridge that gap. And that's what we focus on. Yeah, I, I love that. And I'm sure you've had your work cut out for you over the last year and a half, and which we'll get into right now, actually. Let's jump right into the meat of the discussion. So 
definitely there were some disruptions to company culture strategies uh, since the start of the pandemic. We're 18 plus months in and it doesn't seem like those changes are going to completely go away. We're living in a hybridized work environment now. We're dealing with continued labor shortages and some uh, dissatisfaction from um, a lot of uh, low-wage workers, for example. And companies are also balancing things like ESG strategies and a multi-stakeholder approach to uh, gauging their impact as a company and their success as a company. All these things are compounding to, I think, get some new, fresh, critical eyes on, is our company culture real? Is it authentic? And is it delivering on what we say we want it to deliver on? So let's expand on that a little bit. Can you, in your eyes, uh, explain some of the core disruptions to company culture strategies that you've seen since the pandemic? Uh, which ones were fresh? Which ones were just sort of accelerated trends that were already challenging traditional company culture models? Great question. I would say, honestly, the biggest thing that we're seeing that isn't new, but is especially challenging is the fact that we have five generations of workers in the workplace today. So baby boomers are really used to doing things the way that they've always done it, which is pretty much command and control. And then you've got the next four generations behind them that are saying that doesn't work anymore. And so it all sort of came to a head with the pandemic because people realized what was important to them. So the companies that were already focused on purpose and mission were a little bit farther ahead, but then we had all of, all of the pandemic laid on top of it that just caused disruption from one end to another. I've heard it referred to as the purposeful pandemic in a way that people have decided what's important to them, right? And how are they living their lives and working at the same time? And that has been a huge shift, not only for employees, but employers. So we're finding a lot of employers that have never been clear about their mission and purpose, actually really wanting to spend a lot of time defining that now. And that causes them to dig deep. And in some cases, it means that executives have to leave because they're their own personal values don't line up with the corporate values. So it's really brought deep, deep questioning and change to the workplace in a way that we've never seen before. Have you found that uh, employees themselves have been elevated to having more influence over company culture since the pandemic decentralized workflows and changed up the kind of traditional leadership model within the office? Yes, no, why or why not? I think the answer to that is yes. I think a perfect example is things that happen at big companies like Google, mm. where they were pretty definitive about when the return to work date was, and people pushed back pretty hard and said, I'm not really willing to get on a bus for two hours to travel to Mountain View to be back in the office for six, whereas before that was fine. So I think we're starting to see employees are stepping in and stepping up, whether it's through their voice or they're choosing by where they're actually sitting. They're saying, I'm willing to leave this job to take a different job for less money because it fits what I want to do with my life more. And we're seeing that across the board. I mentioned this in my intro, but uh, there are some other compounding challenges or at least market motivators here that might be influencing changes to company culture. Those would include uh, a focus on ESG strategies, 
which has been persisting even beyond the pandemic. And then that multi-stakeholder approach to gauging whether or not your company is successful, right? Not just do our shareholders see value? And if so, our company is winning. Uh, but understanding, do our employees feel that the company is moving in the right direction? Do our customers do our partners? And we need to make sure all of them are in the green or else something's wrong, right? So those things are compounding as well. And I'm wondering if this also revealed any new challenges to building an authentic company culture. What are your thoughts? You know, uh, what's interesting to me is for all of the large companies who have come out and said, we have this culture and here are the ESG things that we focus on and all of the things that we're doing, what we're finding behind that is the companies that are really good at being transparent about those changes, right? So they're not just talking about them. They're not just bringing in people to talk about DE&I, but they're actually tracking the changes and sharing them with everyone those are the companies that are really moving the needle. So it's it's that fearlessness of saying, we're not gonna just train everybody on it, but we're actually going to ensure that change is affected. That's where we're seeing companies that are stepping out and people are asking those kinds of questions when they're interviewing now. They're not just going into interview for the job. They're interviewing, does this company match my core values mm. and what are your core values and how are you seeing people living them out and oh by the way are you willing to fire an offender because i don't really want to work next to somebody who is doing really well in their job but not living into our culture and we think that that's okay so we're seeing it at multiple levels in not only the leadership of companies and how they think about who the company is and what they're about but how they're hiring and how they are firing that's critical too. being willing to make some of those difficult decisions if leadership isn't aligning where you need it to. Uh, I mean, I, there were plenty of high profile examples of CEOs stepping down for comments they made around a lot of high profile social justice issues, for example, over the last year and a half. And, you know, the, the broader company sort of making the decision, hey, Sorry, you're our CEO or you're our COO or you're our you know board president, but you know thanks, but no thanks. You know, right? Like it, it's time to make some actionable decisions here and show that we mean what we say and we say what we mean. Uh, and that can be obviously you know a case by case thing. It's not like there's a core standard there. But have you seen anything win out in those conversations? Right, as companies assess their own internal structures and have to make some of those difficult decisions. Uh, where do you think they've done so correctly, right? Where have they done so thoughtfully, maybe is a better way to ask. For me, where I'm seeing it, and really the thoughtfulness goes from a company's willingness to be transparent. So literally, so every employee can see what the president to every employee owns, right? What their responsibilities are, what their goals are and they can see how it's connected on the bottom line. But then we are also willing to call each other out, active bystandership, in fact, um, on, on when things aren't working right. It used to be that we waited for the manager to say to the employee, you're not doing well on this. And where the change really needs to come is when colleagues can say, hey, Kirsty, I see you're behind on this. What can I do to support you? 
right? Instead of waiting for the CEO to own that sort of, I'm going to follow up with all the VPs because they're not moving things forward. Those colleagues, those VPs should be able to call each other on it. And that's, that's the change we're seeing. And honestly, I'm seeing it in everything from corporate to there's a, a really big move being made at Georgetown University Law School to teach active bystandership in law enforcement. Hmm. So in this country, we have people looking at it from every perspective, and that's what will change. That's what will affect the change is when we're all willing to step in and have a voice in it. So let's talk uh, how employees are influencing this discussion some more. You know, I think more than anything, employees, when they are looking to join a new company, there is, a, I think, a validated standard now for employees to want to know, what is the culture I'm joining? Is it a toxic one? Is it an uplifting one? Is it one with career opportunities? But also, are the sort of soft interpersonal moments of the company going to uh, challenge my mental health, going to challenge my stability, my ability to enjoy the rest of my life, right? Those are important metrics that uh, especially millennials and Gen Z professionals are centering as they enter and, uh, you know, continue to dominate the workforce in a millennials case. So can you give us some more specific examples of where you're seeing employees demand more out of their companies during the hiring process before they're ever part of the company? Yeah, it used to be that everybody just looked at Glassdoor, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and read the reviews, and it's it's no longer that way. People are asking about things like, what is your work-from-home policy? Before I ever even start or take the job, what we're finding, especially with graduates, um, which is surprising because it's their first job, and you would you would expect that they would just be so happy to have their first job, and they're they're doing the same thing. They're saying, what are your um, what are your goals around uh, sustainability? How are you thinking about employee wellness? I think actually we even saw a blip, not surprisingly, after the Olympics this summer that people were actually asking, what are our wellness plans? The old EAP, right, where you could just sort of call somebody on the phone and have a 15 minute talk with a therapist is not working anymore. So companies are really moving towards a much more holistic perspective and picture because in the interview process people are saying it's not enough for me i want more i want my fan i want to be home with my family so if i can work until four and then i'm okay with getting back online in the evening that's how i work best and companies are stepping back and going okay what jobs is that possible in and what jobs is it not possible in so that we are clear on both ends of it so it's been a much broader negotiation than I think has ever been in the workplace up until now. Now, what about on the flip side of that? Someone does get hired, they enter a company culture, and maybe they see something represented that wasn't exactly what they expected, or, you know, the company culture does meet their expectations, but they still see room for improvement and want to give feedback. Do you find that employees feel more emboldened to give that feedback and feel confident in their ability to do so? Is that feedback being received? Give us a look into, you know, once people are already within the organization, how they're challenging some preconceived notions around company culture. Yeah, it's interesting. I think some companies are really open to that and they, they're 
bring it. We want to hear it. We want, you know, we have employee resource groups. We're doing all these things to hear your voice and make changes. And there's others that frankly say, yeah, we hear it and never make any changes. I think we're seeing everything in between. I can tell you my friends who are senior level HR people are getting calls all over the place because companies are realizing that they need a strategy around people and how they do things. And so even the scares that we saw five or six years ago of poor behavior from CEOs wasn't enough for those companies to make those changes. What's different on that end, however, on the HR end is those HR people are now much more strategic because they have the data that they need to be to have a place at the table. So instead of waiting for managers and managers say, I have one-on-ones all the time. Employees say, I never have one-on-ones with my manager. We actually have data now on who's having one-on-ones. What's the feedback? Does the manager feedback match the employee voice? Is it always different? So we're looking at those behavioral points of information to make decisions about how our workforce is acting and reacting so we can support them with more training because every manager is a coach now and we haven't we haven't done manager training since last century so it's it's it, there's a lot to be caught up on and the companies that do it well by far will lead uh, the workplace with employees who want to be there and not necessarily because they're making more money there now, another stakeholder that is carrying more uh, sway nowadays, especially on things like company culture, are customers themselves. In a B2B context, I think customers want to know what to expect when they interact with partners, right? So if you know, you're dealing with an OEM and a distributor, both of those companies want to know, okay, well, what's the company culture of the partner that I'm working with? Do they treat their employees well? Do they center me and my priorities as a partner? Uh, and how can I guarantee that, right? And then in the, uh, I guess, more traditional B2C sense, customers are looking at the practices of, you know, the the meat packers, for example, whom they buy their deli meats from. They're looking at uh, the production workflows of fashion companies to make sure that things are sourced equitably uh, and not, uh, you know, taking advantage of, um you know, uh, poor labor practices or negative impacts to the environment. I mean, those are just a couple of examples that come to mind. I, I feel like we're seeing a trend here where not only are customers on both sides feeling like they can vocalize these needs and demands more, but also they're being received more and companies are making these changes as they hear them from their customers. So give me your thoughts there. How are you seeing that influence company culture strategies as well? I think we're seeing it not any differently than how we're seeing uh, the feedback from employees because those 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 customers are the the younger generations. So remember when there was a lot of publicity around the safety issues for Amazon in their warehouses. And suddenly after that, we started seeing all kinds of commercials on TV about why Amazon was a great place to work. I think companies are paying attention to that. I think they are, the consumers, whether they're businesses or individual consumers, are really choosing where they're going to spend their money. And, and companies have to pay attention to it. We have a client that is a healthcare group based in Chicago, Howard Brown Health. Really good people, really good people. And the reason that they are so good is 
they pay as much attention to the qualitative data of how their employees treat their customers as they do the quantitative. So it's how many customers do you see, but how are you treating them? What feedback are we getting? So they are taking that feedback from their customers and putting it in place, rewarding their employees for doing it in a way that makes sense and continues to bring those customers back to them. I think that's how we're starting to see it is. They're doing it because it makes sense from a business perspective, but it also makes sense from a customer patient perspective, right? That's what they want to see. So we're starting to see it really in lots of places um, and certainly with the clients that we're working with. Now let's transition over to leadership putting this into action and also leadership demanding more of co-leadership. Where are you finding that you know, implementing some of this feedback and meeting the standards of uh, today's company culture needs, where are you finding that this is difficult to implement day in and day out for leadership in a corporate uh, or you know just sort of broader business setting? What's interesting to me is the places where we found that we have the hardest time seeing it implemented is fast moving technology companies. And that's where I grew up. And I will tell you, especially if they're venture backed, they're working so hard and moving so fast, slowing down to uh, be clear about goals and how they all fit together and having interactive feedback. We're just not seeing it at the same level as companies that have are not quite so worried about making so much money to pay back their investors and be the next uh, IPO or the next unicorn. Just my experience, I'm sure there are lots of companies out there that are doing a great job at it. It's not who we've seen that is, are willing to step up and really take the time that it takes to be intentional about making these kinds of changes. Now, why is that? Do you think that's symptomatic of the demands of the industry and you know, how these companies feel they need to scale and disrupt? Do you find that it has more to do with just the solutions themselves and the kind of workload demands and how that ends up influencing, uh, you know, day-to-day -day interactions between leadership and employees and amongst employees? But what are some of the reasonings you think? I think it's a, about the scale issue. Mm -hmm. I think those companies are working so hard to get things done so quickly. We put tremendous amounts of pressure on them for results, results, results. What's a return? How are we moving? How are we scaling quickly? That it just drives a culture that lives into those things that we're asking from them, no doubt. And it'll be interesting to see sort of where that nexus is. I'm not sure how sustainable that is. That would be my, my perspective. So I want to highlight some of the things that 2020 Insights centers in its consultative services and discussions with your clients. And that would be sort of three core questions that you recommend companies ask themselves when assessing their company culture and whether or not it's meeting uh, the demands of the moment and how they should begin to make changes if need be. The first question is, how well do your purpose, brand, and culture align. So thoughts there, where do you start in even aligning these three things or assessing if they're already aligning or not? Thoughts there. So I think when you think about purpose and brand and culture, 
you can look at them and and the final part of where those come together is what so we, lots of companies think about what's our brand promise right here's what we're going to offer our customers no matter who they are they can count on us to deliver this and the question is what's your employer brand promise what are you promising to be to the people who work with you right so that brings all three of those pieces in together because it really focuses on your purpose, your brand, what are you offering? And how are you bringing that to everyone? So a lot of companies are looking at ENPS, right? So not just their net promoter score, but their employee or employer net promoter score. There are lots of ways of measuring it, but I think those are the changes that we're starting to see that bring those three pieces of things together. The second core question you have companies ask themselves is how clear is your purpose to your employees and are they clear on how it impacts your customers? I really like this question because I think it highlights communication and it highlights how sometimes that communication can end up feeling like a game of telephone, right? One person communicates it to the next person down the chain, which then communicates it to the next person down the chain and so on and so forth. And by the time it gets to the last person in that chain, it may have been diluted in any number of ways. So break down how you see that impacting the success, you know, positively or negatively of a successful relaunch to company culture and give us some strategies for how to implement better communication across the board. That's a great question. For me, what that purpose does is it helps drive how we make decisions about everything. So if we're clear on our purpose and we we have a decision that needs to be made, we can drive it back to, okay, what are we really trying to accomplish here? What's our mission? What are, why are we even in business? So that the decisions that we make help us continue to drive towards that North Star. Being willing to get in and disagree and get all of the data on the table before you make a decision helps those things. Because what I'm seeing is companies that are valuing the diversity of thought, right? Whether it's new employees or people who have been around for a long time or people who come from outside the industry, they're getting that diverse thought. And that's what drives them to be better because they're bringing all those pieces of things in together. So it's clarity on that purpose. It's about being willing to listen to different ways of doing things and being innovative. And it's about being willing to just listen. I think sometimes it's hard because we we are so enclosed on what we've got to get done that we forget that there might be a different way of seeing things. And the companies that are really good at listening, whether it's to their customers or their competitors or a different voice in the industry, they're really the ones that are the most innovative and and bring that thought leadership, whether it's through decision-making or how we could be are consistent with our purpose to the table. So uh, those things come to mind for me. Yeah, I think that's critical. I, again, feel like communication and centering that in your strategies is so important. Uh, but with that isn't just the operational level of communication, but also the authenticity of the communication. I think end users uh, or I guess, you know, consumers, to put it more accurately, on the receiving end of, for example, like marketing and advertising campaigns are very adept nowadays at being able to identify is this authentic or am I really being sold something here? Uh, or does this feel hokey or ham-fisted or 
is it not reading the room? That's the big one, right? A lot of companies feel like they can step in and start to comment on, for example, a lot of the big social justice issues that um, were in the news over the last year and a half to two years. And it feels just like, ugh, cringy. Why are you commenting on this like this? Why are you, why is this the stance you're taking? Or why do you feel like you are the one that should lead this conversation, right? I think that persists through communication amongst employees, communication from leadership to employees, from company to partners, from company to customers, right? And so how do you center authenticity in that messaging? How do you center authenticity in the communication and how that uh, pushes company culture forward? What are your thoughts there? For me, it comes back to the core values. Mm. It's about how do we live into the things that we've said are important to us and our willingness to to take a financial hit in order to live up to those core values, right? So if we can't advertise ourselves honestly and we decide not to do something because it just doesn't represent us in the way that we believe that we need to be represented, we're willing to take that hit. It's, it's the same thing as we're willing to let go of our best salesperson because they don't do things honestly. So I think Authenticity comes out of truth of who you are, and and that takes everyone in the organization living into it and the organization having the guts to say, if you're not going to live into it, that's okay. We're probably not the right place for you, right? So let's make sure everybody is a good match and talk about it all the time. It's as important of a conversation as productivity is. If I'm talking about how we're living out our core values as often as I'm talking about how much you get done, that message is very strong. Um, and that's where companies can really make a difference. I love that. Center that honesty, communicate up front, and align from the get-go. Love that. Very clear, very straightforward. All right, Kirsty, uh, one last core thing that your company centers when advising your clients. Again, this is another question you have them ask themselves, but it's quote, how do you and your team show that you're committed to support your culture? I think this kind of ties into communication a bit, but it takes it one step further, right? You can communicate your core values. You can make sure everyone's on the same page and nothing got diluted across that communication chain. But now it's time to actually show that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. Uh, So there are some very straightforward or I guess like hard ways to implement this, right? Built into the structure of your company, built into day-to-day processes, There are also softer ways to show that you're committed to supporting your culture, whether that's in just sort of a mindset shift, thoughtful ways you interact with one-on-one people in your day-to-day, employees, leadership, uh, customers, other stakeholders, right? So what are your thoughts on some of those different sort of softer, more interpersonal, as well as hard structural ways to emphasize this commitment to culture? So the soft... Softways, I think, is actually committing to training people and, huh. and giving them ongoing skills that they need to be good at that. I think, again, manager as a coach is so critical. But if we don't teach people how to do things like have difficult conversations, right, on how to give feedback, then we're not helping anybody, right? So it's it's what we decide to give people as far as skills go and our willingness to do that. When I work with teams, I want the employees to lead the agenda for the one-on-one. It's not the manager's job. The, the conversation's about the employee. They should be leading that agenda. So it's about how we do things. From a leadership perspective, it is the hard things. It is the 
we are choosing, I, I just had a conversation with the CEO yesterday who chose not to take on a big contract because they don't have the headcount to do it. And she realized that they would send their team over the edge to try and take something on that was sure it was going to bring them more money and probably some notoriety for having this client and they can't support it well. Hmm. So those are the hard decisions, right? When you look at your team and are from a leadership perspective, even down to what you say no to is as important as what you say yes to. So it, it goes all the way through and you have to, you have to be awake. Yeah. Yeah. It really shows who has their listening ears turned on and who doesn't, you know, who is actually committed to adapting in real time to some of these responses and uh, to some of these fresh demands from various stakeholders. All right, Kirsty, I think that just about wraps up our conversation. Any final thoughts on how companies, regardless of industry, regardless of size, should begin to reassess their company culture impact uh, and make some actionable strides? Great question. I am a firm believer you start with your core purpose and your core values, and you really define them as though you're living into them. So everybody knows everybody's playing by the same set of rules. And it's a place to start. And from there, it's what you interview with. It's how you hold people accountable. It's what you make sure that you recognize are people living out those things and doing the right things. That's the place to start. I love that. I love that. Center those core values. And I think in the act of having to center your core values, it makes a company assess do we actually stand by these, right? Because it's hard to center core values that you're not really living up to day in and day out. So I think that's a great starting place. I think it's great to have some self-reflection as leadership and as a company. And also employees have that self-reflection of saying, is this company really meeting what I feel like is my personal standard for a company with positive culture? And know that, you know, Folks have a little more power to wield than they think, whether that's stepping away and going to find a new job or whether that's leveraging their position and their, you know, their uh, influence and their practical applications within the company to make the change that they want to see happen. So, Kirsty, thank you so much for your thought leadership today. I really appreciate you sharing some of these insights for our audience. Again, folks, we've been chatting with Kirsty Cherkoyan. She's CEO of 2020 Insights. Kirsty, if folks want to find out more about some of the work that you're doing, that 2020 is doing, uh, or they just want to learn about your thought leadership a little bit more, they want to tap into where your head's at, how can they do so? Two ways, Daniel. I'm probably the only Kirsty Turquoian with a TCH and LinkedIn, <laughs> or you can find us at 2020-2020insights.net. Thanks so much for having me. Love it. And that's insights plural. Don't forget that S at the end, folks. Kirsty, thank you again for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to listen to previous episodes, or you want to make sure you don't miss out on future conversations, head to our website, amphenolbroadband.com, as well as subscribe to Wavelengths on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Wavelengths.